The book of Joshua is a very unique book in that uh, it's one of very few books that is actually named after the main character of the book. Um, It's the first of its kind in that regard. Uh, And while the first five books are jam-packed with Uh, very biblical, some of the greatest biblical characters in the Bible, you know, like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, just to name a few. Joshua is the first one to have a book named after him. Joshua is going to be a story about the conquest of the land of Canaan and how the tribes of Israel are going to be under the command of Joshua. Um, Joshua is Moses' successor. Uh, He was a very... A great man, he was a man's man. Um, and so he was, without a doubt, is one of my favorite characters in uh, the Bible. We just finished up a Wednesday night series uh, in the fall on the book of Esther. And I contemplated back and forth, should I teach out of Joshua or should I teach out of Esther? And I landed on Esther. And, and I'm really glad I did because I learned a lot going through Esther. Um, But I really do like the book of Joshua, and I like the story that we find in the book of Joshua. And so, much like someone who would be overlooked after following a key figure like Moses, I think in some uh, aspects the book of Joshua was named after him because I think it's God's way of saying, you know, have you considered my servant Joshua? Uh, you know, I mean, unless you're a history buff, who, who knows who was president after Abraham Lincoln? Not a whole lot of people. I, I know a few of you are like, yeah, I know who it is. Uh, what about the prime minister after Winston Churchill? A lot of people that come after some, a great leader, you just don't re- recall. So someone coming after Moses, you wouldn't think that Joshua would be that main of a character, but he is. And so he was one of the original spies Um, that were sent into the land to spy it out. And only he and Caleb came back and said, uh, we can do this. With God on our side, we can take the land just as he said. But we know that 10 other guys uh, disobeyed God in that aspect and said no. So they were left to wander in the wilderness. We can learn a lot from Joshua. Um, He was a man on a mission A mission solely given to him uh, by God, wholly devoted to what God had called him to do. And this is what Philip Keller said about Joshua. He was seldom, he has seldom been given the full credit he deserves as perhaps the greatest man of faith ever to set foot on the stage of human history. In fact, his entire brilliant career was a straightforward story of simply setting down one foot after another in quite compliance with the commands of God. Now, with that said, I'm not going to tell you that Joshua was a perfect man. He was not a perfect man. But as we're going to see today, and as you read throughout the entire book of Joshua, obedience is going to be the key to his success. Obeying the word of God uh, and knowing the word of God is going to be key to his success. Um, The book of Joshua, uh, like I said earlier, is not just about Joshua. It's the story of the conquest. uh, The conquest of uh, God's people going into the promised land and taking it as their uh, possession. And so 
Joshua serves as a bridge. Um, if you look at the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Joshua is going to be a bridge from uh, the Pentateuch into the rest of the Bible, really into the, the next chapter of the story. And so and it's not until Joshua that you see the fulfillment of God's promise from Genesis 12, 7. To your offspring I will give this land. So over 500 years have passed since uh, that promise has been made. And we're going to see in the book of Joshua where that will come to fruition. And so which leads to our big idea of the text. The big idea is the word of God reveals God's will for his people. And it enables them to achieve his purposes. With that said, let's read our text this morning. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, going through, through verse 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness, at this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law, of, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that we have in Joshua. And Father, as you start this man on a mission, you start uh, someone to do something very pivotal in the history of your people. God, you give some very clear direction. And Father, I just pray that as we look at your words uh, to Joshua, that we would look at those words and we would take them to heart. Because I think in the same way that you had something to tell Joshua and you had something to tell the people, you have something to tell us this morning. So we thank you for your word. I pray that we take it to heart. I pray that you would change us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. This passage that we are looking at this morning, it's going to make several uh, important points. And so... Uh, I think we need to understand in this passage in Joshua chapter 1. So number one, God and his purposes do not change. You know, the first words here in chapter 1 in the book of Joshua, God is going to speak to him. And he's going to tell him, Moses, my servant, he is dead. Now, 
you know, that's got to be a very scary moment for Joshua. Uh, one of the greatest leaders in biblical history, he's gone. Now I want you to arise and I want you to go. All of those people who were 20 and above uh, that did not want to go into the land, that did not inherit the land, they're going to die off in the wilderness. They're going to die in the desert. And so there's an entire new generation of people who have been raised up um, under Moses' leadership. And now we're going to see in Joshua's leadership. So we see this change of leadership where Moses is dying, or Moses is dead. Joshua steps into leadership. We see an entire new group of people who uh, are under Joshua's leadership. And so one thing that stayed the same was God. God had not changed. Uh, Newsflash, God does not change. He doesn't change at all. And the same purposes that he was working in Genesis chapter 12 are still at work here in, in the book of Joshua. Even though things continue to change in leadership, continue to change in people, God's plans, God's purposes were still Um, at work. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. You know, uh, I like when people who have left Emmanuel and moved off come back and visit Emmanuel and they haven't been here for 10, 15 years and they go, wow, it looks a lot different around here. Yeah, we don't have pink pews anymore, pink carpet. A lot of things have changed. And they're like, no, no, the people, they're new. A lot of people have changed. I see a few people that I recognize, but a lot of people I don't. It's, like, it's kind of the same thing that's going on here. Uh, there's a change of people. There's a change of scenery even. But guess what? The same God that was at work in Genesis, Exodus, is the same God that's still at work here in, 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 in Joshua. Secondly, God provides for his people. God is going to provide for his people. I don't think any military leader... Uh, that I know of, has ever been, had a conversation uh, with the creator of the universe and have been told, listen, wherever you plant your foot, that land is going to be given to you. And this has to be a pretty amazing part in Joshua's life. Wherever you tread your foot, it's going to be yours. There's a very quick reference in verse 4 from Numbers 34, where God is laying out the inheritance laid out for Moses and He's just reassuring him here in verse 4. You know what I promised Moses? Guess what? I'm promising that to you. This land that's been laid out, the, the zone in which uh, I've set out for my people, I'm, it, I'm continuing that promise onto you. And so this God that has not changed, he's also providing for his people exactly as he had promised Moses. God is going to give Joshua and his people the land. And he continues to be faithful to his people the exact way that he said he was going to. Which leads us to point three. God keeps his promises. These verses. As I was with Moses, so I will continue to be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. God continues to repeat himself from Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. He says, I will be with you. You know, this last weekend, I spent some time in Lubbock with Catherine's family, uh, with my family. And Gigi decided to take uh, the kiddos to a trampoline park. And um, so one day we all packed up, all the grandkids, and we went to this trampoline park. And they had a zip line at this um, 
trampling part. And so my daughter was absolutely terrified to go on this zip line. And I assured her that she would be fine. All the other grandkids were doing it. And she's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Don't believe you. I told her, come on, babe, just be brave. You will love it. I promise you, you will love it. And she, nope, not going to do it. So after some financial negotiation um, and my wallet being, it's amazing how a 20 can turn into 30 real fast, uh, $30 lighter. She ventured out and she finally gave it a try. And the first words out of her mouth after she lands in the foam pit is again, right? And she wants to do it again. And she continues to do it the entire time that we're there. So a little bit of bravery had to be instilled in her uh, through the financial negotiations. But eventually she tried it. Eventually she understood that all was going to be okay. And she believed me. So now Joshua uh, had been walking with God and walking with Moses for many years. And so he encounters Yahweh in this moment. And God tells him, the land has already been given to you. Uh, can I just tell you there was no financial negotiations in this time. There was no negotiations at all. There was only obedience. Joshua had that type of trust in Yahweh. And God reassures him, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Joshua knows that God has been faithful in the past. And he knows this land is his. Which uh, in return... Uh, we land the text that I really want us to camp on this morning uh, as God commissions his soldier, verses 6 through 9. Now, this section of passage, I think it puts great importance on the word of God and the importance for Joshua to obey, which leads the people to conquer the promised land. So um, in many ways, I think that these verses, verses 6 through 9, are some of the most important verses that you'll find in the entire book of Joshua uh, because he's going to be a great biblical example for what we should do and how we should uh, imitate that in our own life. So let's read it one more time, starting in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These verses are going to be the key to Joshua's success as he goes in to take the promised land. And God is laying it out very plainly for him. And I think God does this on purpose. He does this for us as well. I'm going to lay this out very plainly for you. So you can understand it. And so his willingness to delight in God's word, his willingness to obey God's word is going to be very vital to his success. You know, one of the very interesting things that I studied uh, about Joshua when I studied this 
and I looked at the scriptures, is we have to remember that we assume, and most scholars agree, that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, which Francis Schaeffer put it this way. This is pretty interesting. Joshua knew Moses personally. Joshua knew his strengths and weaknesses as a man. He knew that Moses was a sinner. He knew that Moses made mistakes, that Moses was just a man. Nonetheless, immediately after Moses' death, Joshua accepted the Pentateuch as more than just the writings of Moses. He accepted it as the writing of God. The biblical view of the growth and acceptance of the canon is as simple as this. When it was given, God's people understood what it was. Right away, it had authority. Joshua's example in reaction to God's word, as he has it, uh, connects us to him in a very special way. Because like us, Joshua was to live by obedience to the written word of God. And you have to understand, Joshua was right there with Moses as he was writing many of these things down. As they taught them, as they talked about them, he was right there. He probably had one of the first scrolled up versions of the Bible and God's word in written form. And it wasn't enough just to possess them to ensure his success. It wasn't enough to just have it physically. He needed to have it personally. And that's one thing that Joshua has here. So let's look at number one. Joshua was to know God's word. He was to read it. He was to study it. Now, I know it doesn't say that in the verse, but that is what's implied here. You need to know what God's word is. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. If the law of Moses that Moses gave him was to be his guide, then obviously Joshua would need to know those words to obey it. The scriptures would not have been just stored away in in the Ark of the Covenant. The scriptures would not just have been placed on his bookshelf. Um, They would have been pulled out every once in a while for casual, that would have just been pulled out for casual reading. Joshua would have had the scriptures out. He would have been studying them. He would have probably had some scribes making copies of them so that they could read them uh, often. You know, before the invention of the printing press, not a whole lot of people had a copy of God's Word. Uh, They went to church. They listened to the pastor or the priest uh, preach a sermon from the Bible because not a whole lot of people had a copy. But this didn't mean the people didn't have access to the Word. Joshua would, would have read it. He would have read it openly. He would have read it publicly. And so we see a ceremony on Mount Ebal. He was commanded that the law was to be read in its entirety in Deuteronomy 31 uh, for the hearing of all the people. Yes, the entire law. The first five books of the Bible, that's what was to be read. And so uh, here's what Deuteronomy 31 says. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, the women, the little ones, the sojourners within your town, that they may hear And learn to fear the Lord your God. And be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. I'm sure that Joshua right there. uh, 
the entire time that Moses was writing these, hearing them, seeing them, the importance of these scriptures did not just happen overnight. He was possibly right there beside Moses for decades as he's writing these scriptures down. Um, he was a student of the word. He would have known this uh, God's word uh, very well because he was right there as Moses was writing them. And so before he was ever commissioned by God, before God ever gave him the responsibility to go in and take the land, he was a student of the word. He delighted in the word of God, which leads us to number two. First, you're supposed to know God's word. Joshua was to also talk about God's word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He wasn't just to know it, but he was to talk about it. With his family, with his friends, with his army, with the nation, he was to talk about God's word to all people. Even those who would join him along the way, like Rahab and her family. You know, I find great comfort in being able to come even on a snowy morning in Odessa, Texas, which happens once every decade, uh, to be able to meet with God's people, to study God's word, to talk about God's word together, to meet in Sunday school classes, to have Bible studies together where we can study God's word, where we can dig deep in God's word, we can learn from God's word from each other. But being able to discuss it can be a very vital part of our growth experience as a Christian. However, when we step outside the doors of this church, I think sometimes it becomes a little more difficult. I look at the world that we live in, and it's even less tolerant today than it was uh, just like two or three years ago when I was in high school. Um, Joshua was to speak about God's word in all circumstances and share the truth about God's word. And guess what? We are as well. We are as well. We're supposed to talk about God's word. It's commanded right here in the book of Joshua. And this verse actually reminded me of a time when Jesus was speaking um, to some guys that he called a brood of vipers in Matthew 12. Um, He tells them, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I think uh, that that's a true statement. Obviously, it's a true statement if Jesus made it. But what is your delight? What does your heart delight in? What does your heart take joy in? Is it the word of God? Is it other things? What comes out of your mouth of, out of an overflow of your heart? He goes down, down to say, and this is Matthew 12, starting in verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. We have to be people of the word. As uh, the Bible says, we have to hide God's word in our heart that we may not sin against him. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have the knowledge that leads to life. We have the the key to eternal life. And I pray that we are bold enough to speak about it. It's not enough just to know it. We have to be able to speak about it. So know about it, talk about it. Number three, Joshua was to meditate on God's word. And meditation goes beyond just knowing it and talking about it. Meditation implies taking lessons away from what God has to say, from what you're reading. Not just reading to pass a test, not just reading to give the right Sunday school lesson, but 
allowing God's word to change you from the inside out. That's what we're supposed to let God's word do, applying it to our lives. That's its purpose. Sadly enough, I think this is where a lot of Christians stop in their walk. They can read the Bible. They carry it to church. We can read it for Sunday school. But when it comes to applying it to our lives, I think a lot of us stop right there. We've been lied to uh, by the deceiver to believe that to be a good Christian, all you have to do is show up um, on Sunday morning. We listen to the sermon. Maybe you even fill in the blanks. That gives you extra brownie points with God if you fill in the blanks. Try to pay attention. Have a a few good Christian friends and we're good. Um, And we think we just skate by that way. I'm I'm a good Christian. I'm better than most. I'm better than average. Um, But I also think that that's probably why Christians are making less of an impact in the world around them. Because too many of us are comfortable. Too many of us are uh, comfortable with our walk. And as a result of our comfort, uh, we look like the world. We talk like the world. We act like the world. And we're making less and less of a difference in the world. What are we missing? I think it's a genuine walk, a genuine digging deep in God's word and allowing it to change your life. You know, I used to tell um, uh, students in youth ministry all the time. When you walk away from student ministry, when you graduate out of student ministry and go off to college... If I had one thing that I could instill inside of you, one thing, I would say, I hope you fall in love with God's word, that you delight in God's word. You want to read God's word. That's what I used to tell them that all the time. Because I promise you, if you will read it and you will do what it says, you will walk with God faithfully. But I think that's a lot of the time where it stops. I just, uh, if if you don't come to church on Wednesday nights or uh, I just want to, encourage you. Landon's doing a series on the Bible and this Wednesday night was really good and I hope that you will come for that. Um, I constantly quoted this verse verse to the students. 2 Timothy 3. It reminds us that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, I heard a sermon one time by a friend, and he said, when he read this scripture, he said, well, he goes, this scripture is good to teach us what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. And it's always stuck with me about this scripture, that God's word should do that for us. It does teach us what is right and what is not right, and it teaches us how to get right, and it teaches us how to stay right, how to walk with God in complete obedience to his word. So we need to know it, we need to talk about it, we need to meditate on his word. And lastly, Joshua was to obey God's word fully. The last one on the list is the most important. Verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from your right hand or the left, that you may have good success Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. I think that if you have a breakdown in the first three steps. If you have, if you're not spending time in God's word. If you're not talking about God's word. If you're not meditating on God's word. It's really hard, if not impossible, to obey God's word. And so I think if you want to have success in obeying God's word, the first three steps are pivotal. I'm going to give you a quote. Uh, And this is from a man that does not believe in God. Um, But I hope that this quote can be an eye-opening word for us as we um, hear his thoughts on some reasons Why Christians stumble theologically and why Christians stumble morally. It's from the book God Delusion by uh, by Richard Dawkins. And he says this. I must admit that even I am a little taken aback at the biblical ignorance commonly displayed by people educated in more recent decades than I was. And he goes on to say this. And I hope that we just need to let this sink in. We cannot be obedient to what we do not know. I mean, that should be an eye-opening experience, uh, just quote for us. We cannot be obedient to God's word if we don't know it. And here's a man who doesn't even believe in God. And he, when asked about the state of Christianity, he says, they can't obey what they don't know. Just the biblical ignorance in Christians, no wonder they can't obey what God has asked them to do. I would guess in our church alone that uh, average, the average person that goes to Emmanuel Baptist Church has at least three or four copies of the Bible. We have more access to the Word of God than we ever have before. We have a copy on our phones. that reads to us in a, in a lovely English accent. Um, Landon is blessed with that all the time on Wednesday nights. And I'll just let you know, he loves it. Uh, he loves when someone's Bible app starts reading. He lo- he absolutely, I'm just kidding, he hates that. So don't let that happen. But even with all this access to God's Word, even with ac- all the access that we have to God's Word, I think we are guilty of not digging into it like we should. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. And I love how the NIV says, uh, Do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Very straightforward. I think we need to be reminded of that. It's not enough just to read it. We have to do it. We have to do what it says. Obedience is 100% the key. We must know it. We must talk about it. We must study it. but most, the thing that's most evident in our lives is if we obey it. I think you, it would be hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't be, want to be successful in their walk. And, you know, I know a lot of people. I've made this uh, New Year's resolution myself. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And we can do really good for a month, maybe even two months. But after that, it just kind of dwindles. And you miss a day here, you miss a day there, and you're like, ah, I'm too far behind. I just want to encourage you to continue reading God's Word. Continue spending time in God's Word. We have to know it. Um, 
as I talked about Esther earlier, I talked, uh, I preached on Esther in the fall. And one of the things that we find in Esther and her faithfulness to God and the reasons why she was faithful to God. And, and you can see that she was faithful in the worst, uh, worst of circumstances. She was faithful to God when her parents died. She was faithful to God in her purity. She was faithful uh, in being raised by her cousin. She was faithful in a beauty contest. She was faithful to those in charge of her in regard to their advice to uh, please the king. She found favor with God and she found favor with others because she was faithful to God. She had been faithful in all those other aspects of her life. So when the time came for her to be able to go into the king, uh, to take a stand for her people, it was easy because she had been faithful all these other steps along the way. She found favor because of her faithfulness. And so right here in Joshua, we have the formula for success. And I think as we wrap up 2020, as we start a new year in 2021, we have to find favor with the Lord. And how do you do that? And you can just insert your name right here. Corey needs to know God's word. Corey needs to talk about God's word. Corey needs to meditate on God's word. And Corey needs to obey God's word. This was very important as Joshua was starting uh, to enter into the land, to take over the land, to do everything that God had commanded him to do. It was very important for God to start with this. Listen to me. You have to do these things. You have to spend time in my word. You have to obey my word. And before Joshua dies, at the end of Joshua, and he's wanting to leave the people with some wisdom, he repeats these exact same words. Joshua 23, verse 6. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. You know, you could be very terrible at spending time in God's word, reading it, making a priority in your life. But you know what the greatest part about that is? We can do better today. We can do better today. We can do better tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you're at in your walk. This is your command. To know God's word, to read God's word, to talk about it, to meditate on it, and to obey it. That's what we need today. I think that's what we need in America. That's, I know what we need in Emmanuel Baptist Church. We need God's people to abide in his word, to delight in his word, and, and above all else, to do what it says.